This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Auschwitz on ice? Castro outlives his obit writers. Poop in space! A closer look at a Cubs Johnson. And Rick's brush with Albert Brooks. All that and unlimited tangents. And this week there's quite a few of them on this week's Minutia Men. That is coming up right now. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Minutia Man with Rick and Dave. Welcome to Minutia Man. Uh, you know this is our thirtieth episode, Dave. Thirtieth episode. That's a lot of effort on our part. That is. Don't you think? That's about thirty times more effort than we put into anything. Anything uh, other than our business, of course. Right. Exactly. But parenting no yeah. i think i've probably spent more time on minutia men than parenting over the last 30 weeks i think <laughs> i definitely have because <laughs> that's kind of taking care of itself right now although I you know see. i am going downtown today uh you know tommy my oldest son is at columbia college mm-hmm. and he uh <laughs> he, he is studying he's got a class this this week or this semester in audio production and one of the things they had to do was uh, get a voiceover artist to come in and record a commercial that they've written. Well, he got some voiceover guy who blew him off. So last night at dinner, he's like, hey, uh, Dad, uh, listen, um, how's how's your day look tomorrow? Like, Why? Why? What's going on? Well, you know, and he told me, so I am going downtown as a voiceover artist today. And I actually am a voiceover artist. I do voiceover oh. stuff. Um, so but, he, <laughs> so he's going to get graded on this, right? Yeah. So won't it be great if his teacher's like, you know, the audio production was great, but that voice was terrible. <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> okay. Uh, What's the teacher's name? I'm going to blow in a call to the teacher. <laughs> I don't know the teacher's name. I'll find out. I'll find out in a few hours, driving down there this afternoon. So uh, looking forward to that. Well, that should be fun. And is now Tommy going to be giving you like tips and stuff? Or Yeah, he's supposed to coach me through it. Oh. Yeah, and my oh. first uh, my first uh, note for him is that the... Uh, <laughs> The script You're could perfect. use a, the script could use a little work. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm envisioning you as being this diva. You know, oh, absolutely! Just, I cannot work under these conditions. I need an apple for my pectin. <laughs> Remember, we had that one guy. We were we did a uh, we had a advertising agency for ten years, and we focused on radio ads because you know the radio background and all, and. We had we dealt with some voiceover actors that were very fussy. Yes, yes. It was uh, kind of fun, wasn't it? I mean, in retrospect, uh, looking back on it, I mean, some of these guys were like, Figaro, Figaro, Figaro. I know. To do a 30-second spot on, like, TCF Bank or something. <laughs> right, <you know>? Exactly. <laughs> uh, what, like um, I could squonk this out in 30 seconds. I'm paying you money. Just do it. Um. And I like toward the end of our run. And we, what we had it for 10 years, right? Yeah. Uh, I remember like years eight, nine, and 10, pretty much going through the motions because we were hiring the same voice talent every, because we knew they'd show up and right. they were cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, uh, <laughs> but hey, you know, we were still job creators. Yeah. It was just I, the I, same I, job we were creating over and over again. That's right. I don't miss uh, that. How about you? Uh, you know, I, I, I enjoyed the writing part of it. Yeah. Uh, 
didn't like dealing with the clients. Yeah, very much. bingo. That was it right there. <laughs> I just did I not mean, like that at all. I remember, and I, I will not name the advertising agency that we were working with. I know uh, which one you're but, talking about. And um, and we had we were doing a spot for a home company. Was it was a, a construction company or yeah, a home was, builder? Yeah, a builder. Uh, which I think is out of business right now. Are they? Um, which could be because of the lousy ad that we did. And I remember having a two-hour conference in their office in Lombard. <laughs> giving it away. <laughs> no, there's, there's a lot of advertising agencies in Lombard. I bet there aren't. Uh, and uh, uh, the voice talent we use, he had requested someone with a uh, upper 40s voice. You know, <laughs> uh, I want a voice, to, you know, the, and... And he thought that our voice was in her mid to early 40s. <laughs> Wasn't that the same guy who we had like a ongoing conversation with? Is it house or is it home? Yeah, right, right, right. For like, yeah, for like four hours talking about home. Well, see, these people have to justify their big fees that they're charging their clients, right? Yeah. So they Here, just here's the, the dirty secret of the advertising business. Uh, we can tell this now. Uh, now that we're no longer in it, uh, it's all smoke and mirrors. It is <laughs> all smoke question. and mirrors. Yep. yep. Uh, yeah, just as long as your checks don't bounce, it's fine. Yeah, it is. Um, and I certainly don't want to offend any uh, people that are working in the advertising industry right now. They're Listen, nodding their yeah. heads in agreement right it, now. Exactly. Sure. They're not offended. But, They're going, yep, that's true. Yeah, smoking. Just, right. You're right about that. Another 10 more years to retirement. <laughs> so, hey, um, I would like to apologize something before we go any further. Uh-oh. Okay. Um, it appears uh, that I have no short-term memory, and I've been telling stories <laughs> several times during our podcast have you noticed that by any chance have people by been any... telling you this have you finally been <laughs> told this yes. by someone else yes i've had a couple people t- uh, i had an email from somebody i didn't know saying i loved our you know love your show but you tell stories over and over again and um and, and that, i'm like and okay he, and that person meant you not me yeah, right and so i'm like all right well you know that's good criticism thank you and i'm like well i won't do that anymore but how can I not do that anymore if I don't remember if there's a story that I've already told? You're damaged goods. Let's face it. <laughs> right. Uh, um, yeah. So I, I, I guess in advance, I apologize. Treat me as the older relative at Thanksgiving that tells the same World War II story <laughs> over and over. Well, you know, we have uh, we have friends who are a little less kind uh, than <laughs> than most people do. And uh, you've kind of been famous for this for what 30 years? 30 years yeah right right in fact yeah. we called it your power rotation dave is doing <laughs> right. a, one of one of his power rotation stories so right because yeah. i had like six of them yeah. they were great though well over time you've added new stories so now you probably have like 30 or 40 stories but um, but when you dip into your power rotation i will stop you from now on how about right. that it- I just go, yes, you meant you mentioned the uh, Lords of the New Church story three times already. I'm like, all right, it's not even that good of a story. That shouldn't even be in the power rotation, actually. <laughs> so uh, oh, that is well, so and true. And here's another quick story before I forget. Uh, so Thanksgiving, Michelle, my lovely wife, asked me to buy three items at the grocery store. Okay. And she said, you want to write these down? I'm like, no, I don't need to write them down. <laughs> I can three remember items. Those. Yeah. Right. How hard could it be? I get to the grocery store and I completely forget what the three items are. I didn't even remember any of them. 
I mean, it wasn't like I forgot one or two. I forgot all three of them. So what do I do there? So I'm in a situation. I can't call her because it's going to be humiliating, right? <laughs> so what did you think about calling somebody else that might have been within earshot? Hey, listen, uh, did you hear Michelle tell me these three things? Right, right. My 10-year-old. No, yeah. what I did, what any normal person would do, I bought one of everything in the store. <laughs> cost about you sure you want the pickled herring? Give me the yeah. pickled herring. <laughs> right, right, exactly. You know, witch hazel, you know, organic tofu. I got everything. So come on down. We're having a big sale before it all goes bad. <laughs> so, oh, God. Uh, yeah. Well, pretty soon I'm going to be doing the show solo, apparently. <laughs> right. Because I won't remember that Wednesday is, uh, well, do you have this problem in shopping malls? And I've had this also for many years, forgetting where you park the car. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, I, th- I have thought my car has been stolen two dozen times every year. My you know? sons make fun of me uh, all the time because of my worthless <laughs> ability to remember things like that. So you're not alone. You're not alone. Okay. Well, um, I got a great story here. If you want, like, can we, should we dance right into the routine right here? Oh yeah, sure. Let's actually do the show. Oh yeah. We're doing a uh, show. Yeah. Um, headline. This is from uh, CBC news entertainment. I think it's a Canadian. I don't know what it is. It, it could be, or it could be fake. You know what? At this point, I don't even care if it's fake news anymore, if it's funny. No, CBC I mean, is for real. CBC okay. is a Canadian broadcasting company. But, I mean, with all this fake news that is being put out by Macedonia, I know no one seems to care anyway, so why does it even matter? This is a true story. Holocaust ice dance routine sparks controversy really? in Russia. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew, yeah. right? What uh, are the odds? An, Olymp- <laughs> an Olympic ice dancing gold medalist and her on-air partner have caused controversy by dressing up in concentration camp uniforms for a dance routine on a popular television show. Evidently in Russia, it's like dancing with the stars, but it's dancing with the stars on ice. So I guess it's ice skating with the stars. And every week they have routines. And these people who, uh, Tatiana Navka, who is the wife of Russian presidential spokesman, Dmitry Peskov. So, yeah, it's like the press secretary for Putin is the celebrity and the oh, and the I don't know who the other guy is. I don't, I don't know if the other guy is a just a regular schmo or, or a, a regular Ivan or what. I don't know. <laughs> so they do this ice routine or this 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 Holocaust dance routine. They dress up head to toe in concentration outfits. You know, the pajama. You know what I'm Are talking about? Are you kidding me? I am not kidding you, which, first of all, is you know that they had to make these special, right? So they ordered two concentration. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> they, had, they had a, you know, they had eBay. a costume design. They had a concentration, you know, or a costume designer do this, you know. They have the yellow stars on it. Oh, my God. That's terrible. It, it is. And what is really disconcerting i mean this is obviously it it takes a lot to offend me especially with the holocaust this really does offend me but is what is ridiculous and there's pictures on this and you can go to cbc you're right it is actually canada cbc.ca uh just google holocaust dance um and you see yeah it may be the only holocaust (laughs) dance so you might not have Uh, a hard time finding this one well 
Hold on. Oh, <laughs> I've no. Another one now. Hold on. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, but what is just the most disconcerting thing about it is that these two people are athletes and they're, you know, they're muscular, right? They, you know, the, the guy has a full head of hair. Yeah. You know, uh, and they're wearing these concentration outfits. Um, what and, you're saying uh, is after a little bit of time in the concentration camp, they there weren't a lot that looked like well-toned athletes anymore. Right. That's exactly yeah. what I'm saying. So these guys, so this was definitely on their first day of arrival to the concentration camp when they were still ice skating, evidently. Wow. Now, as I was researching this, I'm like, this could possibly never have happened before, right? I would think so. 1996. French Olympic Olympic team dives into a whirlpool with Holocaust theme. Oh, my God. It appears in France. or uh, This is for the uh, 1996, so it was in Atlanta. It was the Atlantic or the Atlanta Summer Olympics. Yeah. No, the, the, the I think the ice skating was not in the Summer Olympics. No, this is, this is not ice skating. This oh, okay. Is, this is actually synchronized swimming. <laughs> That's even worse. That's <laughs> even worse. France's synchronized swimming team had its Olympic program worked out. They had everything figured out. They were going to be in black bathing suits. The team members, I am, this is in the New York Times. So it's 95% true. Uh, June 6, 1996, uh, they, they had their outfits. It was black bathing suits. The team members would goose step in German military style to the side of the pool. This is what the routine was. And then diving in, they would reenact the arrival of Jewish women in the death camps, the selection by Nazi doctors, and their final march to the gas chambers. I am telling you, this is completely true. 1996. You know what this now, is? This is like a combination. These two stories are like like a Mel Brooks bit. Well, right. And. Right. Springtime for Hitler. That's okay because we know that. No, but think about this. At the end of History of the World Part One, I don't know if you've seen this recently, but I watch it all the time with my sons who are all Mel Brooks fanatics. But there actually is a Hitler on ice bit at the end of it. And in the middle of that movie, there is a synchronized swimming uh, during the the Spanish Inquisition bit. It's it. um well, the French obviously d- either didn't see the movie or loved the movie. Uh, it was an and, homage, and they um, and it was going to be uh, the music was going to be the um, from Schindler's List. You know that haunting music that oh, was going to be wow. the music that was played during the synchronized swimming bit. Um, the The Olympic Committee stepped in, and it was never done. Well, that's good. So they yeah, but they they got to Atlanta. I mean, they were like going through their practice and they're like, yeah, you can't do the Holocaust thing. Wow. You know? Yeah. So, uh, so that, <laughs> that is, uh, yeah. So, um, all right. So, yeah. so let's cancel that Nazis on ice bit we were going to do and, and right. move on. Well, well, you know, if, if the Holocaust is, uh, I mean that you can do routines of Holocaust, I mean, you could do it. With anything, right? Like the Sandy Hook murders, oh, right? Oh my God, it's terrible! I know it's it, this is and it's unbelievable to me that 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 this could get through the process. You know, you know that you've had at least thirty meetings, right? Yeah. You know, you got the storyboards and the costumes of the whatever, and not at any point during any of these people go, 
excuse me, I, uh, this may be in a little bit of bad taste. Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to piss on your parade here, but <laughs> right. uh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Sandy Hook, you mentioned that. <laughs> but the, the one of Trump's uh, favorite shows is this guy named Alex Jones, who's like a conspiracy theory guy. Right. The and radio, he's a radio guy, right? A radio host, yeah. And I think yeah. he does a TV show too on this, like Info Wars or something. I don't yeah. know, something like yeah. that. Yeah. He believes for real that the Sandy Hook massacre was a staged event uh, that was uh, faked so that gun control people could have something to uh, to make you take away their guns. Yeah. For real. Yeah. He believes yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, All right. Well, let's uh, continue on. Uh, uh, oh, wait. We should check in with Mr. Audio Man. Give them 22 minutes and they'll give you absolutely nothing of value. This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Okay, absolutely nothing of value continues here. Um, but actually, I think this is kind of an interesting story, Dave. It's not humorous necessarily, but I think it's uh, interesting. Um, Fidel Castro passed away this week. Yes. Uh, of the four writers who authored his obituaries in the New York Times, Los Angeles Times, and Washington Post, uh, because they write these things you know, years in advance, they write them whenever, whenever somebody gets old, they're like, Hey, who's writing Fidel Castro? <laughs> oh, bit. Uh, get on it. Uh, and, yeah. Go on. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, do you remember the Mary Tyler Moore show? Yeah. The episode where her and when she and Rhoda had a right obituary, she was doing exactly what you were just saying. You have to write the obituaries in advance, right? Because someone dies, you need to have one yeah, ready to go on the news. Right. Uh, uh, and they were like, getting punch drunk because it was so late and they made they started to make funny obituaries for people do you not remember this episode <laughs> no i don't think so and they did one for oh god i can't remember it was like a, the old the minneapolis's oldest man you know we willie want you know johnson <laughs> or whatever and they made fun you know uh we willie has no plans for the immediate future other than breathing you know or something <laughs> like that and he dies and then Ted Bats Baxter reads the obituary <laughs> on the air. You don't remember this one? No, but it's a great premise. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm sorry. Go on. Go on with your. See, we made it funny. Yeah. We made that funny. Well, the Washington Post uh, Castro obituary was written by a guy named J. Y. Smith. J. Y. Smith died in 2006, so Castro outlived his obituary writer by 10 years. Yeah. Right. You would. So they didn't update it. For ten years. Well, he got the uh, he got the cr the credit, the obituary credit, and then there was a co-writer who must be somebody who was still there. No, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Smith. Yeah, Smith died in 2006. Uh, Kevin Sullivan is the guy who wrote it with him, so he is still with the paper. So he probably just did like the last two paragraphs or the first paragraph. How he died, last paragraph. Yeah. Right, right. Because everything since 1960. Two is the same, basically. Yeah, exactly. But you know, I thought I've been following this whole Castro thing uh, closely on the news, and then the other day I got a tweet which mentioned something I had written myself. I totally had forgotten that I had written this, but uh, back in 2010, I interviewed Orion Samuelson from WGN Radio. Mm -hmm. You know who he is? And he yeah, has, the, yeah. yeah, he did no, the business reports, right? And it was his 50th anniversary of being uh, on the air in Chicago. And I asked him about, you know, old stories. 
And he told the story about the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962. This is kind of a cool story. Can I, can I read it to you? Of course. Uh, yeah, we had an interesting moment during the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962. This is Orion talking. President Kennedy wanted to send a message to the Cuban people that our dispute was not with them, but with their government. So he came to several of the big 50,000-watt clear channel radio stations, like WGN, and asked us to deliver a message at midnight every night in their native tongue. And we did. And we could, and and they could hear us all the way in Cuba, but the Cubans took action to block us. And within six months, they started a two hundred thousand watt station on the same frequency that blasted us out of the air at nighttime. In the South, all you could hear on seven twenty was Cuban radio. It took us twelve to fourteen years of negotiating through the Swiss Embassy because we didn't have direct relations with Cuba to reclaim the frequency in that direction. No, that is cool. Um, That was a cool story. You know, I would love to go to Cuba. Now it's okay, right? I mean, you can can travel to Cuba. Can you travel from America to Cuba? You can now, right? I think they just started the flights. I think it's uh, like, yeah, New York. I mean, it's basically the land and still in the 50s, right? I mean, it's basically, um, I would love to go. Weather's good. I'm not a big cigar guy, but. um, I like the old 50s cars be fun to see yeah. them back on the road again yeah like uh and the godfather remember it was a godfather too right when he went to yeah when michael went to cuba yeah it did look like yeah. fun then <laughs> yeah um uh, i got another story okay and this is um uh and actually while i was this well, let me tell you the the headline here nasa admits that it needs help figuring out what to do with astronaut poop. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So astronauts, well, they have to go to the bathroom, right? Yes, and, yes, and, they and, do. and, and I guess up to this point and reading this, and if you really are, as an aside, we have a, we have a podcast on our network called vintage space. Have you heard this podcast by any chance? No, not yet. The first one just came out. It's great. Uh, her name is Amy Titel and she loves vintage space stories it's like nasa back in the 60s so what it turns out is that a limited period of time like if you're going to go on a space to the moon or what or a trip to the moon it takes i don't know how long did it take 11 days or eight days or whatever i don't know yeah um and they were able to figure out because of that period of time because it wasn't that much i mean they could figure out a suit that you could just keep you know, your, your, your waste in there. But I guess now that they're figuring to go to Mars and go to these longer trips, they have to figure out what to do with, you know, you're going to have toilets and all the other, you know, how do you discard the waste and whatever. Now they are having, NASA is having a competition. It's called the hero X competition for inventors to come up with solutions to this problem. $30,000, Rick. Really? Yeah. I've got a perfect solution. Oh, no. <laughs> it's going to cost like, I don't know, 15 bucks at Costco. Okay. You get one of those big things of Imodium. Imodium. Or not Imodium. Uh, yeah, Imodium it, that, for diarrhea. Or what is the. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. The pill to block you up. What is that? Yeah, I don't it's know. Imodium. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, whatever. Go to a first. Just give, just feed the astronauts, you know, uh, what whatever I need when I have problems and and i have a very i have a very <laughs> we're really constitution oh my God. 
Right. So I, you know, I I know exactly where they are at Costco. You get the big thing of it's a modium and uh, problem solved. Oh my god! Uh, uh, you I know, a, I actually read this article, <clears throat> or maybe not in the same the same one uh, that you're talking about, but I read about this NASA poop thing. And the thing that got me squirmy is not so much the poop, uh, you know, which is gross. <laughs> let's be honest. Um, but I, I, I am a kind of a claustrophobic person. Mm. And they talked about how once you have that spacesuit on, you know, you cannot get inside of it, right? It, it has to be sealed tight forever or, you know, however long they need it. You cannot mm-hmm. take it on and off. There's no air. You know, you've got no choice. You have to wear this suit. And the thing that got me squirmy more than the poop was one astronaut said something about the effect of if you've got a, a, a scratch on your nose, an oh. itch on your nose, you oh. cannot scratch it. Oh, that. Oh, Th- that doesn't is... that just make your skin crawl? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I mean, oh. I, my nose itches right now just thinking about it. I know. I know. Uh, and I'm scratching it. <laughs> right um. But there are, you know, this 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 poop thing that yeah. is just belies a lot of odd things that can happen in space. And I made a space quiz for you. Okay, ready? Yeah. Um, one of these things, I'm going to read you five things that that supposedly happened for, which is true. One is not um, about the space program over the years, and a lot of this is back in like the 60s and the 70s, which would, you know, which which would apply to our show on the podcast network uh, um, vintage space all right the first one the soviets armed all cosmonauts with sawed off shotguns okay okay two in 1971 an official nasa memo discussed the future role of women in the space program and how they can possibly be possibly be of service to the male crew if you know what i'm saying oh my god okay all right. All right, that's two. Three. So this is my favorite. Soviet cosmonauts Yuri Gagarin and Vladimir Komarov were locked out of their capsule, the Volstok three, during a routine spacewalk. Gagarin forgot to leave the entry portal's door <laughs> unhatched. Hey, can you find the keys? I can't yeah, find right. the keys. Right. Okay. Right. right. Um I'm not I'm not going in space with you. Yeah. All right. Um Astronaut John Young smuggled a corned beef sandwich into space and nearly killed everyone on a Gemini mission. How would that nearly kill well, Hold everyone? on. Okay. Okay. And five. NASA accidentally recorded over the VHS. T- <laughs> I'm sorry. NASA accidentally recorded over the VHS tapes from the first moon landing. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to say that uh, the corned beef one's a bunch of crap. Okay. Uh, uh, it is true. Uh, during Gemini 3, astronaut John Young smuggled a sandwich aboard the rocket in his spacesuit. <laughs> so he's like Homer Simpson. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> so he's, he, you know, he Except, goes to the man eats yeah. or whatever, uh, gets a corned beef sandwich. Like, you know, he's like, I'll oh, go you know, to space, but I will not go without a corned beef sandwich. Right. So while in orbit, Young whipped out the sandwich for a taste test and kindly shared some with his surprised co pilot, Gus Grissom. Grissom took a bite, but quickly stuffed it back in his suit when crumbs started flying all around the capsule. The food, the official food given to astronauts, it has a special coating 
to prevent it going up in the, you know, in the, well, you know, you have no gravity. And they're worried about crumbs getting into behind like the electrical circuits and panels and destroying everything. So uh, from that point forward, NASA says you can't bring your lunch, you can't brown bag your lunch in space anymore. Okay. All right. So that is true. (laughs) Well, how about the VHS one? That, That can't be true. 2006, NASA admitted that they sort of lost track of what had happened to the original video, audio, and data tapes that had been made during the Apollo 11 mission. In 2007, NASA eventually came back with some good news and some bad news. They had located the tapes, but they had been completely erased and reused. This is true. This is true. To cut costs in the space program, NASA had resorted to reusing tapes on later missions. At some point, a NASA employee came across the tape, couldn't read the handwriting of the label, you know, like a, you know, like, you know, how you sharpie, put a sharpie yeah, you know, sure. on the label. Yeah. And he dumped it back into the mix and they were wiped clean. So that is true. Wow. Jenkins works for NASA back in 19 or 2007 or what? Maybe it really was staged. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, conspiracy theorists think that that is, that is one of the, one of the clues as to why it's. Why it is staged. What about the shotguns? I'm going to say that's not true. The TP-82 pistol wow. was, developed, was, was developed specifically for cosmonauts and packed enough punch to take out a half-ton grizzly bear. Um, basically, the reason why they started doing this is two cosmonauts. And actually, interestingly, the Soviets would not have their capsules land in the ocean. They would land in the Siberian desert or whatever i don't know um the tundra yeah whatever um and they were worried that if the cosmonauts landed away from where they're supposed to and there's bears in siberia that they needed to protect themselves so um in fact one of the missions ended up 600 miles away in the urals um and they only and they only had a nine millimeter pistol and they were confronted by a bear the bear did not eat them but they're like, you know what? We should probably have. We need an upgrade. <laughs> yeah, we need shotguns in case for them. So, so you've got two left. You've got the women, the right, the memo about the women, and and the locked out of the right. capsule. Right. The locked out one sounds real to me. I'm going to say the women one is also fake. In 1971. Oh my God! They came in last place. <laughs> right. I, you know, I was this, so this bad is... at multiple choice tests when I was in school. Uh. This one is great. Uh, in 19, and this gives you an idea of how far women have come since 1971. In a night, and I'm reading this verbatim. This in is 1971. This is the year before the ERA amendment, right? Was <laughs> they had to get, was they had to introduced? Get this yeah. Um, in 1971, this in a memo released by NASA researchers Nick Canis and William Federson, they wrote. I'm reading this verbatim. The question of direct sexual release on a long-duration space mission must be considered. Practical considerations, such as weight and expense, preclude men from taking their wives on the first space flight. Now, let's be honest. I'm not taking my wife. Yeah. Right. It's like, I told you to turn a left at Neptune. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's a good point. Right. Uh, That's not how you run the controls. It is. I've been trained. Right. Uh, well, and if driving with your wife, she's honking the horns at asteroids and stuff. Uh, uh, the memo continues. It is possible that a woman qualified from a scientific viewpoint 
might be persuaded to donate her time and energies for the sake of improving crew morale. Wow. However, such a situation might create interpersonal tensions far more dynamic than the sexual tensions it would release. And let me just recommend Judy from the secretary (laughs) pool. Right. Exactly. Right. Uh, So, I mean, you know, it's a, hey, Judy, I got a launch sequence in my pocket. Can you come over here? (laughs) So they were actually considering having women to service the needs of the the crew. Wow. Okay. Well, that's good. That's very good. So the the fake one was Yuri Gagarin and Vladimir did not. Yeah, I figured that out because I got I guessed all the other ones. <laughs> okay, okay, it is time for our Cubs feature. Time now for a collection of Cub geekness. This is just one bad century with Rick and Dave. So while you uh, were enjoying your Thanksgiving weekend holiday, I was going through the Just One Bad Century website and updating our feature every Cub ever. Do you know about this feature, Dave? Yeah, I know about it. And I, I give me a letter and I'll tell you all the players. <laughs> yeah, because you can just look it up on site. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, you know, every year I add all the new players that have come you know, to the Cubs since last year. I do it after the season so I can just do it once. And then I also update you know, players that are currently playing for the Cubs that have been around for a while just so their information is complete. And it's a very time-consuming process. <laughs> Who doesn't do this, right? <laughs> but I will say this. It is 100% updated. Every Cub ever. Go check it out, justonebadcentury.com. And I was looking at it this week, uh, and I saw that it is Howard Johnson's birthday. And and the boys and I watched Blazing Saddles the other day. There's a, there's a series of Howard Johnson jokes because everyone in the town is named Johnson. Um, and it made me think, well, you know, how many guys named Johnson have played for the Cubs? Would you like to take a guess? Um, 30. 12. There have been 12 right. Johnsons. I can just I'll give you a brief, uh, brief update on some of these guys here. There was Abe Johnson. Abe okay. pitched one inning for the Cubs on July 16th, 1893. Uh, there was Ben Johnson. Uh, he was a bullpen guy in the late 50s. There was Bill Johnson, who the Cubs got in a trade for Willie Hernandez. Remember Willie Hernandez? Yeah, he was. He went to Mets. What did he play with the Mets then? Uh, then he went to the Phillies uh, in the trade and then went to the Tigers after that and won the Cy Young Award. Okay. Uh, Bill Johnson uh, pitched in 14 games for the Cubs <laughs> before they cut him. So great trade. Uh, um, go on. I'm sorry. Cliff Johnson, Cliff Johnson. Do you remember him? Catcher? No. Big burly guy hit uh, 10 homers for the Cubs in the second half of the 1980 season. There was Davey Johnson. I I remember. Well, he, that was Mets, right? He he eventually became a manager and won the world series with the Mets, but uh, he pit, he played the last few months of his big league career as a cub, as a player. There was Don Johnson, not to be confused with the Miami Vice guy. Uh, And he actually might be the best Johnson that ever played for the Cubs because he was an all-star and he was a member of the 1945 uh, World Series team. Okay. Footer Johnson. Was he a runner? He was. He was fast. 
His nickname was Footer and Treads. They also called him Treads. Okay. And he got a grand total of five at-bats in eight games and never got a hit. Yeah, okay. There was Howard Johnson, who played for the Cubs. And he had those oasises, right? Yeah, orange roofs. Remember the orange roofs? That was always like the best part of a vacation. I know. Was stopping at the... And now... You know, these oasises, have you been to, they're like food courts Oh, now. I know. They're, they're swanky. Yeah. It, I long for the days of a good Howard Johnson's, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. They could uh, get like pancakes and stuff there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then there was Ken Johnson. He, uh, this is a, a little uh, known story. In 1964, while pitching for the Houston Colt 45s, mm-hmm. he pitched a nine inning no hitter and lost the game one to nothing. Really? The only pitcher in big league history to ever do that. Didn't Andy Hawkins lose a no-hitter for the Mets? Uh, it wasn't, for the it wasn't it wasn't 9 innings. Back in those days they they've changed the uh the listing of that. Okay. Uh there was Lance Johnson. Oh, one dog. One dog is right. My favorite Lance Johnson story uh and I'm sure you know this. Um his last year the Cubs were crappy, I would imagine, right? Well, actually, they went to the playoffs when he was with the Cubs. Okay. Well, his last year, it was his last year of his contract, and last year of his big league career, and he just decided, I'm going to swing as hard as I can at every pitch. And he hit like 11 home runs. Like more in his entire career, he hit in the first or in his last season. And then I'm thinking, why don't you always try to <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. What were you doing swing. before that? <laughs> yeah. Like, all right. So, okay. I remember Lance. Uh, didn't you also, uh, used to play video baseball with Lance? <laughs> yeah. I had the Sega, the Sega Genesis baseball game. Um, and I had a whole season I played with the white Sox, and you know, that was the year Wilson Alvarez won like 43 games. <laughs> Uh, and Lance Johnson stole like a thousand bases that year. That's how I remember. That's what yeah. I remember about him. Yeah. Uh, there was also Lou Johnson. He played for the Cubs in two different seasons, 1960 and 1968, but uh, also was part of the Sandy Koufax perfect game as a member of the Dodgers. He scored okay. the only run in that game. That was a one to nothing win. Okay. And then there was Reed Johnson, who uh, just was recently with the Cubs, who made all sorts of highlight catches and stuff like that. But so there's an answer. You want minutia? We got minutia for you. There are 12 Johnsons that have played for the Chicago Cubs, and now you know all of their names. Um, do you, speaking of Sandy Koufax, which I guess we kind of were, yeah. uh, there's a story in our, it, it, his um, autobiography, and I don't have any more. I lend it to somebody. I would lend, lend it to you. It was written by... Um, I think who was the the biographer of the president's Doris Kearns is that her name? Doris Kearns name? Goodwin. Yeah, I think she wrote this, the Sandy Koufax's book, or somebody like that. I okay. don't know. Um, and there is a there. This is totally unrelated. There is a um, story in that that he had a rabbi come up to him and autograph like a dozen yarmulkes. Sandy Koufax. Okay. And it, it was going to be for charity and Sandy Koufax. Yeah, fine, whatever. And the rabbi turned to not give it to charity and sold them. So there are like a dozen yarmulkes with Sandy Koufax. Do you know signature. what happened to those? Because I do. I know what happened. Oh, what happened? They were bought by a French synchronized swimming team. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, well played. Okay, it is time for a final feature of the day, and that is our celebrity potpourri. A random name pulled out of Rick's bowl of brushes with celebrities. Mixture, collection, selection, assemblage, medley, assortment, variety. Time now for celebrity potpourri with Rick and Dave. Okay, Dave, uh, it's time to reach your hand in the box of celebrity names of people that I have met over the years in my radio career and pull a name out and tell me what it is, and I will tell you the story of how I met them. I think I know the story, but um, Albert Brooks. Albert Brooks. Now, you and I love Albert Brooks. Mm -hmm. I I think that movie Lost in America is one of the all-time classic films. Perfect. Perfect in every You can't say nest. You can't say egg. You are. Yep, yep. One of my this all-time is the best favorite sandwich I've ever had. <laughs> Probably seen it twenty times. I yeah, love I Albert know. Brooks. Yeah. And when I became Stephen Geary's producer, one of the bonuses of being Stephen Geary's producer is that Albert Brooks would call into the show. He called into the show, you know, on a semi-regular basis, probably mm-hmm. a dozen times over the time that I was their producer. But it was the thing that was interesting about it was. He was just trying out comedy material. He was usually about to go on The Tonight Show or somewhere else, a bigger stage, and he wanted to just try out his material. And of course, Stephen Geary were happy to give him that venue to do it. But Albert had the uh, attention span of a gnat. And if he called in and I said, I'm going to put you on hold, he said, all right, forget it. I'm out. (laughs) I learned this the hard way. I learned this the hard way. The first time I put him on hold, I said, or I'll put you on hold. He goes, nah, I'm not going to stick around. I thought he was joking because he's, you know, Albert Brooks. He's funny. And I went back into the studio to tell Stephen Gary that he was on the line and he wasn't anymore. And I didn't have his home number or anything to call him back. And that was the days before, you know, you had those uh, phone devices. You could just, you know, hit redial or whatever. Right. Um, So I lost him. And I got hammered by right. Stephen Geary for that. Yeah. So anytime after that, uh, I knew that the rule was when Albert Brooks calls, we drop everything. And we did. I mean, there were times we were in the middle of a commercial break where Steve would just stop the commercial and go, Albert Brooks on the line. There really? were times when he really? was in the middle of a story. Steve, you know, telling, weaving the story about what something that happened to him at his house, a fight with his wife, Janet, or whatever, you know, a story about his kids. And, oh, sorry, we'll finish that another time. Albert Brooks is on the line. And that went on for years and years. And every time, nobody else got that kind of treatment from Stephen Geary. Never, ever, ever. Anyone else. I mean, the Pope could have called. Yeah, have him hang on a second. I'm telling a story about my pool. You know was what Pope I mean? Francis was Pope the Pope a big Stephen Gary fan, were they? John Paul II? Yeah. I actually was in a meeting once with Steve and Gary. We did like a teleconference before sometimes in the mornings we would do a teleconference about what he wanted for the show that day. Mm-hmm. This was towards the end when I was getting ready to leave the show. And one time Steve said to me, Yeah, I want the Pope on today. Can we get the Pope on? <laughs> like, yeah, let me let me work on that. You're Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I think he was just messing with me to try to get me to waste my time or I don't right. know what, but you know, no, I did not get the Pope on, but I did get Albert uh, Brooks on. And all I did to do that was just answer the phone. The The story that I thought you were going to tell about Albert Brooks, maybe I'm remembering this wrong. I always thought that Mel Brooks was his father. Well, that's, that's, that is a true story. And then didn't you ask him? 
Yeah, and, and he's got no relation to Albert Brooks at all. <laughs> right, right, to, but, yeah. No, in fact, both Albert Brooks and Mel Brooks use Brooks as a stage name. What is? Do you know what their real names are? A- Albert Brooks' real name, and this is not a joke, his real name is Albert Einstein. Is it really? Yeah. And I forget what Mel Brooks' real name. It's Melvin Horowitz or something like that. But No, it's O'Donovan. (laughs) (laughs) Murphy. Uh, So that is our show for this week. If you like Minutia Men with Rick and Dave, be sure to check out some of the other programs on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, like the space program that Dave was just talking about. What's it called again? Vintage Space. Vintage Space. Check it out. Mm -hmm. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place, radiomisfits.com. To find out more about Rick and Dave, you can check us out at eckhartspress.com. Big uh, book release this week. Uh, well, we had one last week and this week. We're, we're just setting them up and putting them down. We're moguls. Uh, gen- yeah, we are. We're, 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 we're publishing moguls. Genuflections now available for pre-order and, and, and talking about the Pope. Yeah, this is a pretty uh, good book. Yeah, go ahead. Go on. No, I was just going to say it's uh, famous folks talk about growing up Catholics, and there are a star-studded lineup in this book. Yeah, it's a really uh, good book. It's written by Robert Hergeth, who is a uh, Sun-Times, uh, uh, Chicago Sun-Times reporter and a very persnickety man. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, but you are a persnickety man. <laughs> right. say that. I have a graphic designer who's not real happy with you right now, Bob. <laughs> Uh, you can also check us out at chicagoauthorsolutions.com. The book is perfect. The book is great. You, there's not a typo in that book. You know, anywhere. if you find a typo, I actually would like to know because right. I will get a kick out of that. Right. Uh, and we'll give you Bob Berger's phone number. Right. Tell him. Uh, chicagoauthorsolutions.com is another place you can reach us. You can drop us a line at minutiamanpodcast at gmail.com. I'd like to give special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with Opie Productions. We're distributed by Ed Silla of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. And we'll be back again next week for another episode of Minutia Men. The preceding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? If you missed Lausano or Los. Los Anno and friends, here's what you missed. Attila, the president, is here. The guy that's in charge of the whole network. So we have to be good, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so far. So what's going on with the network? Anything exciting? We have a, a thousand shows. I mean, there's a lot of them. We have a lot of shows. Already stuck from Artie Lang right on down. Yeah. Yeah. Name the worst show on the network. Go ahead. <laughs> Say it to his face. Just say it. Say it to his face. Yeah. No, no I, 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 would, I dare anyone to find a bad show. There, all... there is not a show on this network that yeah. I'm not proud of. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Aww. Yeah. Uh, Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It's just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. Radio Misfits. Get more. Lozano and friends. Lozano. Now on Lozano.com. Good luck trying to spell Lausanne or whatever it's called.